0: Hello, welcome to Wrestling Ratings Podcast, this is your host, Dan O'Veal. I tried to talk about the match finishes and everything like that on Raw from last month, but it took too long, so I decided to redo everything. Wrestlingnews.com, I believe is the perfect thing to look at. Especially for um, ratings. Okay, I have to go up to Russell It looks like. Last night's ratings for snagdown. Um, were were up from last week. It's an average of 2.181 million viewers, according to a Fast National's report by Showbuzz Daily. This is the fourth week in a row that they have had an increase in overall viewership. They had a 2.210 rating in the first hour, and they had a 2.151 rating in both hours were an increase from the week before. I don't know the purpose of selling stock in the WWE, but Triple H sell sold a lot of stock. He sold forty-five thousand three hundred and eighty-eight shares of Class A common stock, which was forty-five point sixty one per share. So that that means that he just got $2,070,016 from that stock sale. And he also sold 7,419 shares, Class A common stock, 45.83 And that totaled to $340,012. And he still owns 81,325 shares of stock. That's interesting to look at right there. I saw a clip on Twitter from this past Thursday's episode of AEW Dynamite, where the where John Moxley said that if if he he has to have a tune-up match with MJF's attorney before if. He even wants to have a title match with Moxley. And if Moxley loses, beats that attorney, then Moxley doesn't have to worry about using his finisher on MJF because they will not be facing each other at the pay-per-view. I thought that was pretty good pretty good TV because there's one thing that's irritating is somebody rich that's spoiled and, well, because his parents are rich and they never, they never told him no, or they never disciplined him. And I'm talking about the discipline that says is wrong. So that makes it very funny to see. can do, since I love talking about um, shoot interviews, now some things I don't remember as well as others, but what I will do is talk about the first shoot interview I, I ever saw was the person I hope to interview in the future, whether you want to call him Tennessee Stud or Robert Fuller or Parker or Tennessee Lee his shoot interview is very interesting because he comes from a long line of wrestlers father was a wrestler his father's brother-in-law was a wrestler um, his grandfather was a rustler and like his grandfather his great-grandfather's Um, I don't know. His grandfather was a rustler, so that's where it all started. Then I have a whole family tree that his, this is the most interesting thing I found out. When his father became a rustler, against his father, against his grandfather's wishes, he changed his name legally, so, to Fuller. Because his grandfather was a Welch. And his grandfather, so many relatives that um, that when that when you people talk about the Fuller side of the family, they're like, "Who's that?" And if he is his son, why doesn't he have the Welch name? So Robert said that by that by illegally changing his name. He shot himself in the foot by doing that because nobody knows about the Fuller name. They only know the Welch name. And he spoke about the his earliest work in the business was actually, he was taught along with his brother, Ronald, who also wrestled and booked for 20 years. Or 25 years. Um, and he even promoted. He and his brother Ronald. Ronald was old, older than him, so his brother went to college and everything and got a degree in business. He thought that he would go to college himself and then start. And what he revealed that it was the most interesting thing about being in wrestling was okay, we break it down like this. His earliest experience in the business was his father used to ha- used to train people himself and his father told his father and grandfather used to teach them when you do a traditional lockup, one of the best maneuvers to use as fans that love the traditional style will tell you, it's the wrist lock. Well, instead of doing a wrist lock the normal way, you go from the opposite side of the hand. And when you perfect that, that's what we call hooking. That's what his grandfather taught him father. And he said at one point during his interview that if you have an attitude like um, Goldberg, he's the only one I know that actually refused to lose. I mean, I know some people refuse to lose, but he refused to lose to the men smaller than him. Just because they were smaller than him. And he had revealed that somebody like Goldberg if he would have been around the Fuller family, he would have learned why you shouldn't take. We shouldn't look at something so trivial as. I say trivial because. I don't. Not really trivial. Something so small as. If it makes sense or not, because have the things that sell don't make sense. But if he was to go into a ring with somebody that taught the things that Robert Fuller was taught but smaller than him, he would learn why, why you shouldn't underestimate people that are smaller than you. And when I heard that, I said, yeah, that makes sense. If any, if you go for a traditional lockup and somebody knows knows the uh, traditional lockup um, drill, and they're bigger than you, then if you go if you go for a wrist lock and of a wrist lock, you take the opposite end of the hand and you go forward with it, and that's going to humble them really quick. You bad? Are you hot? Are you okay? I'm recording. I'm recording. And because of that, I do think that I do think that um, people need to need to um, take old school methods if they know them and teach them to newer people because it's just out of hand the uh, the disrespect and cockiness and not listening to people before you. It's just out of hand, I believe. Now if we're going to go by this chapter by chapter, then Another thing I want to remember, I want to say is Robert Fuller, if you recognize him as Colonel Parker, you recognize he never smoked a cigar, he only carried one. And I found out that theoretically the reason he never smoked cigars was because he grew up around his grandfather. Would always he would always ride with his grandfather around the towns and he would he would even see the rustlers in those days when he was growing up, and he he would see he would, he would see how people acted around his grandfather. But he never stopped and asked why until he was older. The truth was was that his grandfather was very tough and very um, he was one of those people that if you did not show him respect, he'd beat it out at you. And that's that's why when he did go in the locker room with his grandfather, everybody would always stand up and go on the other side because they were scared to death of him. They knew he would want to sit down and be by himself. Most likely. Another thing he said was um, when he would be asleep, is why I think he doesn't like cigar smoke, is when anytime he would fall asleep, his dad's grandfather would, would hit him in the chest, wake him up, and he would always smell the smoke. I don't think he liked it very much. And what I do remember... heard my mom say something, and it threw me off, so I'm just going to be honest and say that what I really remember is him talking about what he did in high school as an athlete. You can tell he was always in great shape. Even when he looked like he was getting up there in age and he should have stopped being in the physical side and just be a manager, which he started. He was still in great shape, and I think what happened was he didn't party like so many other guys, like Flair and so many other guys did, so even though he would drink, he never did it. He probably never did it in an excessive way, so it made him. Um, so it kept him in better shape. And when he was in high school, not only did he do the legitimate wrestling that you see in the Olympics, but he also was a great track runner. So, he was always in great shape, but the first thing he learned as a wrestler was how hard it can be to be in front of an audience. And his Before he was in the ring, he would help people, he would help train people. But what what I think was smart on his father's part was instead of taking money and training people he might not have been tough enough to take pain in those days of being, or the punishment of being a wrestler in those days, What he did was, he would tell Robert, this person wants, he's telling me he wants me to train him, test him, see how tough he is. And because of what I said earlier about the way of what he was taught as a kid, it helped him know how to, to test people. And really makes it I really think that's what makes it so interesting to hear those stories. Now watch that again and then come back with more detailed information as I take notes about it. That's what I remember hearing about. So talk about NWO no, WCW NWO sold out nineteen ninety eight. In an eight man tag team match with Psychosis, um, Supercalo, callo um, to Guerrero, Silver King, Chavo Guerrero Jr., park and one more person, or two more people. I went Guerrero after six men, after the six out of eight men get suicide dives, Suits, so Shabu Jr. had the, the the tornado DDT to win the match, and after that happened, Parker had everybody with the chair, even his own teammates, and he set up the chair and so he could so he could sit down on it and dance with the audience. Raven against Chris Benoit next in a Ravens Rules match or in anything goes match, so he might not have set his contract up yet with WCW. Because I remember he was told by was told by JJ Dillon, he either come up with a contract or or you're no longer an official WCW wrestler. So he came up with his contract. Contract stated that his rules were gonna sit, were gonna be a Raven's rules match all the time. So I don't know if that was before this or after or after this. So I don't. So that's gonna be interesting to find out as I continue doing this uh this series about Rob versus Nitro. Raven had to do this alone against Chris Benoit, and Chris Benoit put him in the Crippler crossface, and he was so so believable in his character, Scott Levy, that when he was passing out, he looked like he was happy because of the pain he he was enduring. And what was really interesting was Dean Malenko came out to help Crispin Love win the flock members in RV. And that was interesting because by this time, you didn't know if they were even friends. The next match, Coach Jericho defeated Re Mysterio Jr. when the Cruiserweight title was first. No, second Cruiserweight title win in the company. And he was booed just for being a jerk, so he said, don't boo me, and he felt like if you're going to boo him, give him a reason to. So he started stomping, hitting Ray Mysterio in his bad knee. And the next segment was the heavyweight title announcement by Piper. He said that Scott Hall would get his title shot, but not right now. So then he told Hogan, he and Stane were going to have a rematch. He didn't care if it took him took them the rest of the, uh, not the rest, the whole night to get it done. They're going to have to face each other to determine the the champion at, a at Super Greg Greg Martell lost to Booker T in a TV title match. What I really liked about the next match, Scott Hall versus Larry Zabisco, is, uh, when Larry Zabisco pointed to Dusty to be in his corner, the whole time, the whole night, Dusty had a blue jean shirt on, and it was, Button from top to bottom. So Larry won by disqualification when he held Scott Hall for Dusty to hit him with the elbow. He hit Larry's Visco with an elbow, which we believed was an accident. He turns around, looks at Scott Hall. Scott Hall pointed to him like he would point at Kevin Nash. All of a sudden Dusty is taking his shirt off and revealing he's a new member of the NWO. And looking back at the setup for this pay per view and match, it's not a surprise they did this because he revealed that um that Dusty Rhodes started him in in his wrestling career, so why not put him with Dusty Rhodes? I mean, if we're gonna be honest about this I think they did wait too long to have an NWO member be a commentator for the company. The next match, Bagwell, Norton, and Conan beat Steiner Brothers and, and No, Tr- Steiner Brothers and Ray Trailer beat Bagwell, Norton, and Conan in a six-man tag team match. I thought back then that it was interesting how Scott Steiner kept on taking spotlight from his brother every time they would win. And so it was obvious he was going to turn heel, but we didn't know how. So this was great continuity on WCW's part. Next, Kevin Ash versus the Giant. Um... As far as the, as far as him trying kind to of power bomb the giant goes, the first time he hit the giant with a power bomb, it was um it was a perfect delivery on both, by both Nash and the giant. Well, this time when he went for the power bomb. He lost his grip of the giant, and the giant landed on his neck. So they went straight for the finish. That was it. So um, what ended up happening next night or two nights later on Nitro was they banned the power bomb from from Kevin Nash, and Kevin Nash said that the reason he kept on doing it after that because there were several times after that when he hit the jackknife power bomb on regular sized men and they would put the handcuffs on him because of breaking the rules and Kevin Nash said in his he believes that they were trying to hold him back creatively and the reason he did the reason he broke that rule on tv was because Hogan went to him and said that he would pay the fine the fines for him for going against that rule. Because all the money that that Hogan had he would pay it for him. And I really my thinking is is this I don't think they're trying to hold him back creatively. I think they were worried that he might injure somebody permanently with the uh, with the finisher, and they didn't want to take any chances. Okay, Red Hart versus Ric Flair. For some reason, they thought that if that if they have this match, then it would answer. Who is the greatest ever? Who is the better man? Excuse me. And I'm. I still stand by this: that it doesn't matter, because even the most skilled professional wrestler can be great on one night and have a terrible night the next night. So no matter how great you might be, there's no really telling was a better wrestler because McClaren lacked a lot of things. McClaren lacked the uh, ability to think of um, he lacked the ability to think of newer maneuvers like defensive maneuvers. Anytime he was in trouble with an opponent, he would always go for a thumb to the eyes, or he would do, he would twirl himself over the top rope, um, come back, go for cross body, and never make it. And he said himself this because he can't think of any creative moves and, the, and but what he could do but what he could do well he was always on time so I think that's why I think that's why we as fans and that's why a lot of times we could overlook that because he did so many great things in the ring that we didn't realize that uh That He lacked the ability to think Of newer things um, Anyway Bret Hart did beat him with a sharpshooter After delivering superplex Off the top rope And interesting enough That was the only match they ever had In WCW The only match they had In the WWF which once again He beat Ric Flair For the title I don't know why they didn't do more than one match because if you really want to know the truth, because they did only have two matches, one in WWF and one in WCW, that still had that left a lot of questions. Um so it's I'm gonna, that's why I'm glad I'm looking back at these videos because I don't know for certain that they never had a match but I don't remember them having one that I saw back then. So if they never did have a match, I just want to know why. Or they never had another match. Let me put it that way. Main event, Luger beat Savage with the torture rack and then Sting came out to help Luger after all after all the numbers came out from the back. I know this is probably too far in the in the future um, videos to talk about, but I really can't wait until they start talking about... Um, until they start doing the, the storyline that led... So, in fact, that was really fun to see them turn a few NWO members' baby face. Okay, here you have for this episode. Hope y'all like it. Thank you, and goodbye.